Yeah. 
Good evening. Welcome to the whole GT of Men podcast. You are listening to Work It Out and I'm your host Fiona. Our opening song is called Ngege Zgute. Okay, yeah, that by Reality 7. The words literally mean we will not bow. This song is about the three Hebrew boys and their fiery furnace of King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar had made a golden image and asked them to bow down and worship this image. But these young people refused to worship the golden image of the king, even at the peril of their own lives. And the church that we are going to be looking at tonight had a similar experience as that of the three Hebrew boys. They faced persecution for being faithful believers of the God of heaven, even to the point of being martyred for their faith. And that church is none other than the church of Smyrna. Stay tuned. In the days of John, God handpicked seven literal churches that would typify seven stages of church history. The past, the present, the future of the church is all mapped out in the letters to the seven churches. Rebukes, warning, reproofs, remedies, and Satan's strategies all laid bare. Tune in to work it out with Fiona Mondays at 7 p.m. to see the history behind church history. The message to the church in Smyrna is found in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8 to 11, and it reads, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that he may be tried, and he shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. So, we're going to start by looking at the name of the church. Remember in the earlier episodes, we did say that the important thing to note when we go through this messages to the seven churches is the name of the church and the symbolism used. So the name Smyrna means sweet smelling and it is synonymous with myrrh. We're going to read a quotation here from the book Unveiling Daniel and Revelation by Roy Anderson. It's found in page 200. He says, the church of Smyrna, this church of Smyrna was to pass through bitter persecution, but her sufferings, instead of destroying her, would give forth to the world the rich perfume of heaven. The garments of our Lord are fragrant with the odor of May and aloes and acacia. Here he is quoting Psalm 45 verse 8. May symbolizes our Lord's sufferings, aloes the bitterness of sorrow, and cassia the healing virtue of his sacrifice. For all who will open their hearts to him, the promise is, with his stripes we are healed. So that is the significance of the name Smyrna. And this is uh, symbolic of the second phase of the church history, 
which extends or extended from 100 AD to 303 AD. And Jesus describes himself to the church of Smyrna as one who was dead and is alive. Now, this is very important. Remember, this was a church that was going through persecution and they faced death, horrible kinds of death. Some of them were bent at the stake. Some of them were fed to lions and all the other cruel methods of killing that you can think of. So Jesus here is presenting himself as somebody who died but is alive as a way of assuring the Christians then that even though you go through this persecution, I have the power to resurrect you. Even though you are martyred for the faith, I have the power to come and resurrect you because I am the one who was dead, but now I'm alive. So even if you die, you will be alive. And this is what Uriah Smith in his book, uh, Daniel and Revelation, has to say in regard to this statement. We are reading from one page 144 of the book. He says, it will be noticed that the Lord introduces himself to each church by mentioning some of his characteristics which show him to be peculiarly fitted to bear to them the testimony which he utters. To this minor church about to pass through the fiery odor of persecution, he reveals himself as one who was dead but is now alive. If they should be called to seal their testimony with their blood, they were to remember that the eyes of one were upon them who had shared the same fate but had triumphed over death and was able to bring them up from a martyr's grave. Amen. Verse 9 says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. So what does this mean? Jesus is saying that I know your tribulation and your poverty, but then again he's saying, but you are rich. It's kind of paradoxical. But this is what Jesus meant. The church of Smyrna was rich in faith. They believed their God and they could not be swayed or persuaded to worship false gods. And therefore they were rich in faith. Remember Matthew chapter 5 verse 10 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then James 2 verse 5 says, Here can my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom of which he hath promised to them that love him? And Matthew chapter 6 verse 20 also says, we'll start from verse 18. Yes, verse, sorry, verse 19, it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So the church of Smyrna had laid up for themselves treasures in heaven. They were so rich in faith. They were focused on the things of the kingdom such that Christ looked at them and said, you may look poor in terms of earthly 
material things, but you are rich because of your faith. Still in verse 9, Christ says, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So what does he mean by this? So among the believers of the church in Smyrna, there were those who pretended to be Christians. That means they were fellowshipping together with the brethren, but whose characters were not representative of the kingdom, who did not live according to the highest standard of the truth that they knew. That's why Christ is referring to them as they that um, are Jews but are of the synagogue of Satan. And some scholars believe that he was referencing to his own persecution. He was persecuted by the priests of the the temple, the people who were entrusted with the oracles of God. So outwardly, they were men of piety, godly men, but inwardly, if we were to judge them, would say they, 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 they call themselves Jews, but they are not really Jews because if they were Jews, they would have known that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and he came to die for them and they wouldn't have persecuted him. So even in that sense, during the, the, the period of the Church of Smyrna, there were brethren who were not really brethren, who pretended to be brethren. And these are the very ones who later persecuted the true brethren. Ellen White and Manuscripts and Letters, Volume 19, uh, 1904 says, Here is a warning coming to our people of assertions from those who claim to be Jews and are not. They claim to stand as believing present truth when they have brought in sentiments that have falsified the truth and have so mingled these pretentious superior beliefs with the truth that through their erroneous suppositions, the soul will in future test and trial give up the foundation of the faith for fables. God says to every man, watch ye and pray lest ye enter into temptation. There is a class that will be prominent who will give up the faith and the seducing spirits of satanic agencies will overcome them through specious temptations. It is plainly stated of this class that they claim they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Once upon a time, there was a majestic king who lived in the most glorious of all lands, the very highest of heaven. Beyond the borders of that land, there were millions of extraterrestrial planets teeming with millions of glorified beings and angels as heads over those planets. But the very highest of the angels, a seraph angel, a cherub angel, Lucifer, decided to lead a rebellion against this majestic king and led multiplied millions of angels down with him. He was cast to the earth where he continues his warfare, recruiting multiplied billions of souls down to hell with him. God, on the other hand, recruits his soldiers equipping them with the word as their sword in this warfare, a means to win the battle. It is both a defense and a spectacular offense. Get equipped with the sword in the battle only on this podcast. Tune in to Work It Out with Fiona Mondays at 7 p.m. Come get equipped for eternity. I'd like us to read something here that will give us an idea of what was taking place during that period of church history. 
and we will be reading from the book Unveiling Daniel and Revelation. It reads, Polycarp, one of the outstanding martyrs, is believed to have been the angel or minister of this church at the time John was writing. According to Tertullian, Irenaeus, Eusebius, and Jerome, the apostle himself consecrated Polycarp, Bishop of Smyrna. The state required Polycarp to worship Caesar as God. His refusal cost him his life. He was burnt at the stake on the hillside of Mount Pegasus in AD 168. His martyrdom, as well as the bitter experiences through which the Smyrnan church was passing, could well symbolize that period of church history. So this is just one of the people who was martyred. And remember, this period was from 100 AD to 303 AD. And that means a lot more Christians were martyred for their faith, just as uh, Polycarp was. We move on to verse 10. It reads, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that he may be tried, and he shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. So the thing that I want us to focus on here is where it says, ye shall have tribulation for ten days. Remember that this is a prophetic book, and in prophecy, a day is a year. So this ten days here is ten years, and this ten years span from 303 AD to 313 AD, or until Constantine came to the throne around then. And Roy Anderson commenting on this verse says, During the 2nd and 3rd centuries, the Roman empires tried to obliterate the church by persecution. They feared Christianity because it was making inroads into popular thought. They considered it a rival. A number of persecutions were instigated, 10 in all, but Diocletian, Diocletian's persecution was the worst. This lasted 10 years from AD 303 to 313. If we reckon this as prophetic time where a day represents a literal year, then the 10 days of persecution were truly fulfilled. And if you want to find out more about this day-year principle, please check out Numbers chapter 14, verse 34, and Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 6. And the last verse, verse 11, says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt by the second death. So the church of Smyrna here is given two promises. The first one is in verse 10, it says, if thou be faithful unto death, I'll give thee a crown of life. And then the second promise is that the one that overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And something very interesting about the crown of life, Ellen White says that it will be Jesus Christ himself who will place the crowns on each and every single one of the saved's heads. He will, each and every one of us who is going to be saved, Jesus Christ will place that crown himself he will not delegate that to be done by anyone else and that's really a beautiful promise and then this one says that the, the other one says that they will not be hurt by the second death and this is simply an assurance that they'll be resurrected remember how christ described himself to them he says i'm the one that was dead but i'm alive he's assuring them that i have the power over death and i have the power to resurrect you 
So I may not always save you as I did with the three Hebrew boys, but be assured that you will sleep but for a time and then I'll resurrect you. You will not suffer eternal death. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. We have come to the end of the message to the church of Smyrna. This is the persecuted church. And in our Christian experience, we may also be going through phases of persecution where we are being betrayed by our own you know, relatives, where we are persecuted by people close to us and for our faith. Just remember the promises that were given to the Church of Smyrna that a crown of life awaits you and you will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Because remember Matthew 5 says that, Blessed are they that suffer persecution for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May God bless you, dear friends, and may God be with you. Good night.